Welcome to Do Theology, where we keep doctrine in its place. I'm Jeremy from Utah. And I am Ken from Indiana. Today we are going to be taking a trip back to the 1940s to look at something Martin Lloyd-Jones talked about in a book titled, What is an Evangelical? So stick around for that conversation. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, all those things if you find this helpful. And we'll get into that conversation on the other side of the music. Calvinism is much false doctrine as a woman preacher. Well, of course, in fundamentalism, you define everything as a gospel issue. This is a true mark of Christian maturity to discern the difference of issues. I got an idea. Let's not wrong with anybody who thinks they got another idea. There's a lot of different understandings of what the days are in Genesis 1 and to what degree evolution was part of how God created things. I have disagreements with him in some areas, but those are adiaphora, those are side issues, many important issues. So many Bible doctrines are ruined when we use the wrong words. This is why it's so critical that we use only the King James Bible. You gotta have that right or get out of here. Pray God that I don't take every minor thing and make a major thing out of it. Nothing divides like truth. I respect them as brothers in the Lord, with whom I have some strong differences, but they have a big problem with me. Is there a way that we can work together? I think fundamentally we have to say yes. Christians can disagree and still kick it. All right, welcome to Do Theology. Ken, you want to give a 90-second life update? Sure. So we are just plugging away here, and we're recording this on the 2nd of October, and yeah, Kicking into the fall season, this has obviously been a strange, strange year for everybody, and that includes us, but I have been working part-time as an electrician and then part-time as a church planter, and recently I quit my electrical job in order to do more electrical. That's (laughs) shocking. (laughs) If I had a nickel, man, I would not have to do any electrical. (laughs) If I had a nickel every time I heard those kinds of jokes, but yeah, so I... Between having an electrical (laughs) job and taking a Greek class, you hear the same jokes over and over again. That is 100% true. Ken and I were talking the other day about how when you're taking a Greek class or someone finds out you're learning Greek, 99.7% of people will immediately respond with, it's all Greek to me. (laughs) It's all Greek to me. You never heard that one, have you? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, I could pay for that seminary class if I had a dollar every time someone said that. Yeah. But, yeah, you know. So, anyway, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, doing electrical. I uh, started my own little electrical business just kind of on the side, doing side projects. That has given me more flexibility and freedom to do more for the church, which has been a huge blessing. I've started increasing the amount of outreach we've been doing in our community. We've started doing some prayer stations, praying with people in the community. We'll go to a you know, a high traffic area, set up a sign that says, hey, we'll pray for you. And as people walk by, we pray with people and seek to have gospel conversations with them and give them gospel literature and things like that. So it's been great. It's been exciting. Um, and yeah, we'll, we pray for the Lord to be working in the hearts of people as they hear the good news of the gospel. Amen. Yeah. What do you got going on in your neck of the woods? Nothing. Nothing. You just, no, you've it, had nothing exciting go on here recently, have you? No, yeah. yeah. No, it's got a few things going on. Preaching through First Corinthians here at the church, um, doing some outreach, teaching through the book of Acts, doing all kinds of fun stuff at the at the church. We did 
just graduate from yeah. the mission that planted us 50 years ago. Uh, so we finally grew up, and we changed our church name. I've been working with all sorts of government agencies to do that. That's been a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm thinking about picking it up as a hobby, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, but uh, we changed our name to Orchard Hills Bible Church. And, um, and yeah, just kind of, you know, inter- tra- interpreting the world around us through the lens of the gospel keeps you busy these days because there's a lot mm. going on um, mm-hmm. that's out of the norm that we've all been used to. And so, yeah. But... You know, beyond all of that stuff, today the Cardinals and Cubs are both playing to stay alive in the playoffs. And that may be, I, I'm not even going to say that sentence. It's not the most important thing. <laughs> it, but it is exciting for us, isn't yeah, it? It is. It, They're the know. only two games on today Cardinals and Padres, Cubs and Marlins. They're, they've already lost one game to the Marlins. Wow. Well, when this episode comes out, those series will be long over. So, yeah. People will know the results As of that. Cubs season. <laughs> and so they'll know who to contact to console. Yeah. Well, yesterday I wore my Oakland Athletics jersey because they were playing the elimination game, and then they won. So today I'm wearing my uh, Cardinals jersey. And you, both of those jerseys are from the 1980s. Are you superstitious? Which I think was the best year for jerseys. I'm not superstitious, but I'm a, I'm a little stitious. I was hoping you'd say that. I knew you were. I knew that you knew that I knew. Yeah. Um, but real quick, as we're on the topic of current events, and I don't, maybe not real quick, but just while we're here, uh, we don't really talk about current events on our podcast for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is because we often record these things pretty far in advance. So some of the interviews you've been listening to here lately were recorded as early as April or May yeah. of this year. And, um, at that time, the coronavirus was still really fresh. A lot of things were going on that we didn't know if they would still be applicable in August, September, October. And so we, with our guests, we told them, hey, we're not really going to go that direction in the conversation. And we didn't. Um, but now here we are in October, and this episode does just come out in a few days. And so we can touch on some current events if we'd like. We've had a presidential uh, scream fest. Yeah. Some people call it a debate, but it was Hardly. A, a scream fest. Yeah. Uh, we had one of those. We just found out last night slash this morning that our president has the coronavirus. We um, are still dealing with that on a worldwide scale. We, uh, we we have an election coming up in just a few days, and there's just a lot lot happening. So, Ken, what what are your thoughts on on these things uh, at the moment? So we can, you know, put this at a moment in history where. You're saying right now, with all the things going on in the world, this is what I'm processing. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's if there's really that much difference at this moment than it would have been true three months ago, one month ago, one week ago, or yesterday. I mean, it's obviously I have a, fir- a firm commitment and understanding of the sovereignty of God and that he is the one in control of all of these things, as crazy as things get in the world. We, I'm, I am not worried about anything. I am watching everything and alert and aware of what's going on. It's bizarre to live through, and it's fascinating to live through in some ways, and sometimes it's very frustrating uh, with everything that's going on. Part of the difficulty, I think, is it's so hard to know what is trustworthy information. 
I think that's one of the hardest things about living through this this time period in history that it, it is just so hard to know where what is trustworthy information and and when you're reading a headline if you're reading an article if the facts are actually facts or not. Uh, so that's a challenge and that's that can be discouraging sometimes because it's just like okay, I see I see people sharing things and posting things but I don't know if anything they're sharing is true. And I can try to fact check it, but are the fact checkers true? You know, so it's, it's it is a challenge from that front. But that's where just having that firm commitment to the sovereignty of God, knowing that you know, in a time when our nation is in turmoil over the election and coronavirus and all these things, as far as the election goes, God is the one who raises kings up and sets kings down. Whoever is elected, God will place him there, and that's just whether that's Joe Biden, whether that's uh, President Trump, or whether you know whatever happens, that is the reality. Uh, and, and and that person's heart is in God's hand, and He steers yep. it wherever He wishes. Yep, the hand, the the heart of the King is in the Lord's hands. He steers it. It's like water in the hands of the Lord. Yeah, He steers it wherever He wishes. That's right. So, you know, when when we're grounded in truth like that, it makes a it changes our perspective. I think, or should on how we approach these things. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean we check out shouldn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we just sit back and do nothing, but it definitely definitely gives us perspective and helps us, I think, rest, I hope. Yeah, so. yeah this morning I, I posted to Facebook um, the statement, today it's nearly impossible for you to discern from the headlines what is true, what is slanted, hey. or what is outright deception. Therefore, all Christians do well to remember what Scripture says. And I posted with that 1 Peter 1, 23-25, which says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. That is, that's our hope, is the word yeah. of God. Not, not the like headlines, that. but the word of God. That's, that's funny you posted that this morning. I didn't even see that, and that's, bam. There you go. Once Great. again, proving that yeah. we are a, a really, uh, really organized and strategic podcast here. That we we, Great minds think alike or something like that. Something like that. Something like that. And um, on an, on the coronavirus note, we both had it. Yeah. We we didn't tell anybody on the podcast until now. We had it over the summer at the same time. Mm-hmm. You were just like uh, maybe three or four days ahead of me, symptoms-wise. Yeah. It was the strangest illness that I've ever had. Yeah, it was pretty weird. But we, Neither one of us, I would say, were ever seriously ill. Mm-hmm. But it was certainly... A unique, unique experience. Yeah, um, I had it um, when I was on my sabbatical in Missouri, and um, it lasted. It has lasted longer than yours. Mm-hmm. I came back and I had um, ten symptoms on a list that I took to my doctor, and now we're down to two or three symptoms, probably. So. Um, going in the right direction. I do have an upcoming doctor appointment later this month, so praying people listening, if you want to be praying for that, I would very much appreciate it. And when you, I'm not asking you to give the specifics of what your symptoms are, but they're not the kind of symptoms that you, people, when when they hear coronavirus, typically think of. These are the 
the effects of the long-term effects of coronavirus type symptoms. Potentially. I mean, it's hard yeah. to know. I mean, cause correlation and causation are yeah, that's different true. things. And mm-hmm. we also got poison Ivy, um, after we had, uh, <laughs> our brush with COVID. <laughs> and I also had an allergic reaction to laundry detergent. And so oh, there's just like God. all sorts of things. Um, and, and timing is just timing until it's proven scientifically that things are connected. So, um, yeah, there's there's one particular symptom that's continuing, um, that that's getting going to get checked out later this month, and so we'll we'll look into that. I have had blood tests; all the blood tests were great, um, and the fact that uh, the other symptoms have gone away has been very helpful. So mm-hmm. we're just we're just kind of walking through it. Yeah, my experience was quite different. As Jeremy mentioned, I was sick for about three weeks, and then. It took a while to bounce back from that energy-wise, but I have not had the the lingering, ongoing symptoms like Jeremy has, so I'm grateful for that. But it's just it's just so strange that two people can have the same illness, and it just the the effect that it can have on different people's bodies is so incredibly different. Yeah. So. Yeah, we both lost our sense of taste and smell for a while. Yeah, that was Whoops. pretty wild. I don't know if you just heard something that played. I didn't mean to mean for that to play. I didn't um, hear anything. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, losing losing taste and smell, um, that was weird. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously we've all experienced that a little bit as far as when you get a cold or whatever and you're stopped up, it happens. But this was definitely different. This was like it was totally removed for about a week. Yeah, and, it, and it, when it came back, it didn't come back all at once. It kind of right. slowly, slowly came back. It was pretty. That was that was when it it kind of hit me to me. That I was just like, okay, th- I think I've got the coronavirus. <laughs> you know, when yeah. when that went away. Yeah, and so, you had you tried to get tested for it, and that was a yeah. circus. You never got a positive test, even though you yeah. took two tests. That's correct, because the first test, the first test they botched, and so I had to go get retested. But by the time that information was available that I needed the retest and get that scheduled, and I went to go take it, my symptoms had cleared up, and so. I was told that, you know, even if you had it, you may not test positive now because of how far you are in your recovery. So my second test came back negative and but but all the symptoms are all were all there. Yeah. It, it was and, and I never so. got tested except when I got back to Utah and had to get, you know, the doctor had some blood work done. They added on to that a COVID antibody uh, thing and that's it said I had the antibodies. So that was essentially a other side of the sickness confirmation that I had it. Yeah. So <sighs> pretty wild. Crazy stuff. Yeah. And so and now our, our president has it and Yeah. Wow. What a what a time to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Wish him you know we Oh goodness. Hopefully he's got one of those real mild cases, you know, and, and he can recover quickly. You know, no matter well, where you're coming from on a political standpoint, you never you never wish w- ill on on anybody. And yeah, yeah, you don't hope that anybody um, has any kind of peculiar, har- painful harm, death, any of that stuff. Yeah, um, we all deserve it. And so, um, from that recognition, from a biblical worldview, we hope that God would use it to draw people closer to Himself. Yeah, and not that they would suffer. In particular, um, it will be interesting though because 
you know, if there are any golden bullets out there to take care of coronavirus that just the general public ha- doesn't have access to, mm-hmm. he's going to get it, you That's know. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be amazing. I mean, if he... Hydroxychloroquine for the win! <laughs> if he does suffer and die... Uh, through this, yeah. then that's probably a good sign that we don't have the answers to yeah that's, to this thing. But then on the other side, if even if he comes through on the other uh, comes th- comes through everything just fine, that doesn't necessarily mean that right. we do have a silver bullet or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's that's, that's pretty interesting. But the the fact, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That if he does pass away, that that would be an indication that we really do not have answers mm-hmm. for what we what we're facing. Yeah. So. Wow. And that, man, what an interesting, like you said, interesting thing for timing for when to come down with it and how that could affect the election. And yeah, because if this was July, that would be one thing. But right. the fact that we're 30 days away right now from an election, that's... <laughs> he could, in theory, oh. be quarantined through the election, Yeah, depending on the severity of his illness. Yeah. That's bizarre. <laughs> oh, <sighs> man. So anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, let's see. Where's a segue in there? Right. I don't think there is one. We also had a review come through this week that is yeah, we did is great. I'm going to read that review. It's this is from not a local podcaster. The title is a regular gleaning. Thankful for a podcast that has brought substance to the once arbitrary and subjective assertions regarding the importance of various doctrines. Oh shucks. <laughs> Though I only regularly glean from the podcast while in the office, do theology is definitely worth a second listen in order to get grounded in its helpful content. I only wish I had the chart when I first came to understand the wonderful doctrines of grace, a beautiful topic that only sparked civil wars at family gatherings. Looking forward to more of season two. Thank you, brothers. Well, thank you, sweet. not a local podcaster, for leaving us that review, and we encourage all of our listeners to hop on over to iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. If you have the ability to leave a review, please do so. Helps us what out. What is a iTunes? Lot. Yes, iTunes is dead. It is now Apple Podcasts. Oh, okay. Still living in the two thousands, the two thousand tens. Hey, as a, as someone who just went through a name change at a church, it's like I'm sensitive to this. Okay, have you ever, have you caught Call yourself? New name. Have you caught yourself saying, "Oh, I'm the pastor of Payson uh, Orchard oh, yeah. Hills Bible Church." To, <laughs> I still need to change my voicemail too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Says Payson Bible uh-huh. Church. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, there are so there are a million things you don't realize when you change your church name that it's out there, and you just have to go back and fix them. It's just yeah. Anyway. Today, we, uh, we just want to touch on something somewhat briefly. We want to talk about some distinctions that Martin Lloyd-Jones made concerning primary and secondary doctrine. And it can be, you know, one of the things I've struggled with is how we should continue our conversations about these things when the world, the global church, and the American church are going through so many crazy things like we were just discussing Uh you know, headline-wise, there's so much going on. Do these conversations still matter that mm. you and I are having about discerning le- different levels of doctrine? And they do. They do still matter because guess what? We're still fellowshipping with believers, um, hopefully. We're going to church, hopefully. We're interacting with one another. And if there's ever been a time where we've needed unity and love, 
Um, it's now, right? Mm, yes. And you can say that, of course, at any moment in history, but we're really feeling it right now. And the I, w- I would say the last thing the American church needs is a dispute over something that that really they shouldn't be disputing over. And so these conversations do matter um, as it pushes us toward unity and the the true fellowship that's in Christ. Mm. So, um, so yeah, it does seem like a rough transition that we're going from things that are really relevant to maybe things that aren't relevant, but these things are relevant is, is my whole point. Yeah. Okay. So Martin Lloyd-Jones, I first discovered um, these distinctions that he uh, made during his ministry through an, uh, a sermon by Alistair Begg on Truth for Life. Alistair Begg is my favorite preacher to listen to. I don't know about you, Ken. Who do you like to listen to? I, I really like listening to Alistair Begg. Uh, I don't know if I have a oh, favorite. I don't think I have a favorite. I enjoy, of course, anybody who's heard Alistair Begg before knows you cannot beat that accent. It is just, yeah, it is top notch. You just can't do he gets, it. He gets smarty pants points just by the way he sounds. Yeah, that's right. So... so. But, but he, this was actually not from a sermon at his church. This was a um, like kind of a sermon, kind of a lecture that he gave to a group of pastors back in 2003. And he ends up quoting at the end of it Martin Lloyd-Jones and Charles Spurgeon. And he says that this, uh, this book, What is an Evangelical?, was written by Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he found it to be tremendously helpful. He said it's a little book, so if... Maybe you, you and I should order our copies off Amazon, Ken, before our millions of listeners go rush Amazon and they're sold out. Yeah. But uh, it exists. Hopefully it's still in print somewhere. And, uh, and anyway, he goes through and lists out what Martin Lloyd-Jones says are essentials and non-essentials. And again, we don't like that language because of the implication that yeah. there are some doctrines that are not essential. We don't believe that. We believe importance is the better way to describe that, that just as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I delivered to you what was of first importance, that there are certain doctrines that are of first importance. But um, we can jump into those and list those out. Uh, by the way, what is an evangelical you can find on Amazon. But you better worry. Yeah, there are 18 used offers from 573, but you can buy it new still with prime shipping, 1996. I think I saw there's only one copy left, so better hurry. Like Banner of Truth is the one who published that. So. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Okay. Well, the um, yeah, go ahead. Ken. List of things you wanted to go go through. What Lloyd Jones identified as secondary. Yeah, he used the term. Yeah. He used the term non-essential, as we said, but these are the secondary things. Uh, he listed five things. The first was that of election and predestination, or some people would frame that in the issue of Calvinism, Arminianism. And I like how uh, in the sermon as or the lecture that Alistair Begg was giving, he's just like, "Yeah, some of you are already rocking in your chairs. Well, <laughs> rock on." <laughs> Got a kick yeah, out of that. Yeah, and again, I mean, we're looking at the heart of this because uh, you and I wouldn't say the belief in election and predestination, right? Because you can't get around the, the language the is fact in the Bible. That they exist. Yeah, it's just how how do we interpret it and how do we understand yeah. the nature of election and predestination? Yeah, so, so. Martin Lloyd Jones, who was a Calvinist, puts that as number one. 
as being a secondary issue. Right. Yeah. Pretty fascinating. Something that it does is. not necessarily have to create. I mean, again, this is the context of as uh, he's speaking to. Uh, Alistair Begg is speaking to a group of pastors talking about foolish controversies. This was the first thing on Martin Lloyd's list in the uh, that Alistair Begg was thinking of when okay. talking about foolish controversies. Number two, the age and mode of baptism. Should we baptize babies, sprinkling, yeah. dunking, etc.? And Martin Lloyd Jones himself seemed to have an interesting evolution on the topic of baptism. You found something over there, Ken. This is from a biography of Martin Lloyd Jones from Ian Murray. It says, though serving all his ministry in churches belonging to denominations of paedobaptist belief, he early abandoned the practice of infant baptism, yet he did not become a Baptist because he did not believe in immersion. Pretty fascinating. A cradle Baptist that does not do immersion. There's not very many of those, I don't think. Yeah, that would be like Mennonites. Don't Mennonites pour or sprinkle or something? Um but their credo, I think. That's, yeah, that's pretty weird. Um, and I don't know how you get there, but <laughs> I would agree with him <laughs> that it's a matter that is in the same category uh, as the Calvinist issue. Mm. It's a secondary thing, the yeah. age and mode of baptism. He took an interesting view on it, but said, look, it's secondary. I'm not going to fight anybody over this um, like I would with other doctrines. And it's fascinating that he served in churches that, would have been a part of denominations that held a different view than his own on that. So that's mm-hmm. fascinating as well. Yeah. Hmm. I it, I feel like that's a debate that isn't really hot right now, the baptism debate. It's funny how these things like flare up and then disappear. Yeah. Um, I don't know when it'll flare up again, but when it does, remember, it is secondary. And it, it's hard for Baptists like you and me who... You see a baby getting sprinkled, and you just there's something in your stomach that turns a little <laughs> bit, and you think, "How could this be right?" Yeah, yeah, but, and it's and it's interesting too when you've got you know like our last episode when we were talking about Mark Dever and his response to having millennial views in the doctrinal statement. In that same sermon, he was defending baptismal views being in a doctrinal statement. Mm-hmm. And then I recently had a conversation with an individual who is a pastor of a Presbyterian church, and their Presbyterian denomination allows for both viewpoints on baptism to not only be acceptable within the church, but you can be an elder in the church and hold to either infant baptism or believer's baptism. And yeah, that's, and that's the, fascinating. the Doug Wilson, Toby Sumter approach, too, at their church. Yeah, they, they take that approach as well. That's right. So, yeah— Interesting, yeah, interesting stuff, and so, um, so yeah, let's remember that that's where it is. And, and for those of you who are like us, who are credo Baptist, and you just can't stomach the idea of a child getting a baby getting sprinkled, just go talk to a pedo Baptist sometime. Somebody who does that, go talk to him, find him on the internet or whatever, and chat with him, and ask some questions and learn. That's the best yeah. best way to move forward. Instead of just looking at it and saying, ah, they're all wrong. I can't believe they would do that. Just talk to them. And just talk to them. That's the Christian yeah. thing to do. Be prepared to have, you know, to be thinking about Scripture in a different way, probably, than what you're used to. 
not in a heretical way, obviously, because we're still affirming that these guys are, are believers in Christ, but it's, you know, it's a very covenantal approach to Scripture. Yeah. So yeah. be prepared for that. But. Well, what's the third of the five things that Dr. Lloyd-Jones listed? Church polity. So the issue of how, how your church is set up, uh, is does it have a single pastor? Are there uh, a plurality of elders? Is there a bishop? You know, the, the Presbyterian approach, Episcopalian, you know, how, how are you going to, uh, how's the church going to be run? Congregational, yep. Mark Dever. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of our churches, I think, are a blend, and we don't even know it. Yeah. Um, we don't really fit into one of the molds, but we borrow a little from here, a little from there. In the church planting world, it gets a little hairy where it's like, because uh, the church, when it, it's first planted, you can't start off with a plurality of elders or um, a congregational model. So you have to have some sort of Episcopalian model, basically, where you've got oversight from the outside and the church isn't independent. Uh, but then you have to transition out of that somehow. And a lot of planted churches, I think, end up with some sort of hybrid and they don't even realize it. Yeah. A lot of a lot of constitutions are written, especially I think it's I think it's more of a challenge in a lot of independent churches that are not going to be the Baptistic congregational uh, where there is a blend that's built in to many of those constitutions. But, mm. yep. And that's where, you know, again, we're leaving leaving room for understanding within Scripture that there's different ways that this can be approached and it still be biblical, even if we might have quibbles mm-hmm. here and there with things. So, yeah. Yep. That's tricky language, that tricky language. Can something be biblical and be wrong? Hmm. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Number four. Well, and, and but we would just say, uh, go back to in season two this season. Yep. An episode titled "Opposing Views." Can opposing views both be valid? Yes. Find that episode and check it out. Yep. Because we talk about that in that episode. Number four. Prophetic interpretation, and by that he's referring to the pre, post, or amillennial positions. We just talked about this mm-hmm. in our last episode where it was just you and me with reviewing that statement from Mark Dever about millennial views and how, yeah, it belongs in this second column. Mm-hmm. Not something to divide in the sense of calling heresy over. Yeah, right. And yeah, we do have to clarify what we mean by secondary. Um, we're not saying you should avoid thinking about these issues, you should avoid putting these issues in a doctrinal statement, none of that. I mean, you should think through these things and have convictions as local churches about mm-hmm. these things. In fact, you have to on on some of them, for sure, like church government. If you don't have a unified view as a local church about what your government should look like, <laughs> then I don't know what's going to happen. But, um, but we do recognize also that other churches can be totally legit, they can be valid and hold to a different view. Yeah. Other believers can be valid in their conviction, even though their view is opposing. Uh, we, we've we got a men's Bible study group that's going through Revelation right now, and um, we talked about how you get through, how you get to different millennial views. How do you get to an amillennial view, postmillennial, uh, premillennial, as far as Bible interpretation goes? What hermeneutics get you there? And talked through that, and and this 
happen a, a little bit, I think, at that meeting, but I've seen it happen in different contexts more where I'm talking to dispensational premillennialists like myself, and I'll list off some preachers and authors who are definitely not dispensationalist premillen- dispensational premillennialists. And it's so funny how many people are just like shocked because they hold to premillennialism tightly and they find it to be a a pretty glorious doctrine. And then when they hear R.C. Sproul, he didn't, he wasn't a premillennialist. Um, James White, I've listened to so many of his debates. I've learned so much. How could he not be premillennial? Uh, Alistair Begg himself, I believe, is all millennial. Yeah, he is. I think. And so you kind of go through that list and then people are are a little bit shocked, but that's just kind of, I mean, it, it, it's, it's okay. It's okay that they're that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it's an interesting conversation to have with lay people a lot. It is. Uh, a few weeks back I was on the, um, so if you guys aren't aware, we're a part of the Christian podcast community, christianpodcastcommunity.com. CPC. Yeah. And they have every Not month. PCP, CPC. Yeah. <laughs> CCP. Yes. No, uh, no, no, no. No, no. Christian. Okay. Communist, Chinese Communist Party. Right, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we're part of the Christian podcast community, and every month they host a theology throwdown. And I was on it this last time, and we discussed millennial views. And there's people from that are all millennial that are part of the Christian podcast community. There are people that are part, that are, um, that are premillennial, such as myself and, and Jeremy. And so it's, we, had, we just had a good conversation about how we understand different passages and how we arrive at, at those different conclusions and the hermeneutics that get to there. It was an interesting conversation. If you want to look that up, that's on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast. You can find the Theology Throwdown from the Christian Podcast Community. So go check that out. Yeah. We were hoping that we could have had a, a post-millennialist a part of that conversation, but we don't know if we have any post-millennialists that are part of the Christian Podcast Community. Mm-hmm. So, just pre-mill and all-mill represented in that conversation. Now, the fifth and final secondary matter that Lloyd-Jones points out in his booklet. This one's going to hurt. Go ahead. Baptism of the Holy Spirits and the issue of the charismatic gifts. Yeah. First reaction? I mean... My first reaction is that he's right. That's where it belongs, is in that secondary column. It definitely has the potential to rub right up against, and we've talked about this before on the show, about how it rubs, it can rub right up against issues in the first column, such as biblical inerrancy and sufficiency. And so we got to be careful with those things. And there is a huge chunk of the charismatic movement that violates other first column issues, such as the deity of Christ, the nature of mankind, etc., but the issue of the Holy Spirit baptism and the charismatic gifts themselves, isolated from everything else, is not itself heresy to believe in the continuation of the gifts, even if sometimes that sometimes comes with a package of, of other things. So, but there are, mm-hmm. other, there are many charismatic individuals that we would affirm are good brothers in the Lord that hold to a different position than we do on charismatics. Yeah. Yeah, that's a toughie. Mm-hmm. That's all you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It d- it deserves a full episode. It does. Maybe we'll get to so, that someday. 
Because uh, there's so many places with that one in particular where you brush up against first column issues. Yeah. Well, how many how many charismatic guys would you, that can you think of off the top of your head that yeah these guys believe in the continuation of the gifts but they're good guys. So not charismatic then continuationist. I, I oh, wouldn't okay. want to give yeah. them the charismatic label. That's fair. And good guys meaning they're trustworthy Bible teachers. Yeah. That you would, that you would say that these guys these guys are, are faithful brothers. Greg Laurie. Um, David Platt. Um, are any names popping into your mind? Matt Slick. Uh, oh, yeah. John Piper. Oh, yeah. Piper. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Those, yeah. those are the big but names. It's, but what's so hard about this, and this is why I don't want to really talk too much about it here, maybe save it for a fuller episode, the reason why I'm not listing off more names more quickly is because it you so easily slide off into the ditch. So like yeah. two years ago, one year ago, we would have said Francis Chan. You would have, I would not have. <laughs> you you would have within recent history at a point in time. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I guess he has a degree from Master's Seminary. He wrote. He there he would had have been good sermons. There's good books. There would yeah. have been a point in time when I would have said that I probably would have said, yeah, I guess that guy is, is orthodox, but there had never been a point in time where I would have recommended him to somebody, which I suppose is a different question. Yeah. But. Faithful brother, though. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. You, which, you would have the, had no reason yeah, to, to doubt that. And that, that was how I framed ago. the question, so you're right. Because yeah. that's the point. In part of this conversation, all of these names, we would want to qualify, put some level of qualification next yes. to these guys and say, yes. okay, even though... Yeah, we would say they're uh, faithful brothers. We have issues with... Because you look at their resources, and so like Greg Laurie is a guy I really do like and respect. Jack Hibbs is another one. Um, some of those guys who came out of the Calvary uh, Chapel movement. And I do think they're faithful brothers that have a different view from us on this. But would I ever recommend one of their resources? I don't know, because if they've written about something having to do with Christology, soteriology the Trinity, whatever, I'm going to think of someone else who has done yeah. a better job and who's more in line with me doctrinally. Yeah. And so it's not like because I think they're faithful brothers, I, I we should recommend their resources necessarily. It's just yeah, I would love to eat lunch with them and to learn from them in a personal way, but I don't think that their books and stuff like that are going to be you know, standing out on the bookshelf. Right. And then, and then even some of these other guys that, you know, like the names I mentioned, John Piper, I I feel more much more comfortable recommending a lot of his resources, but yeah. I'm still going to caveat say, but you know, just so you're aware, <laughs> there's going to be some. But things he also, in there. I mean, it also doesn't come up a lot in his stuff either. I mean, no, it, in his books, it, yeah, that's true. But yeah. someone recently that I just found out about, someone who's not as well known, um, except in the commentary and scholarly world, is Gordon Fee. So mm, I, yeah. I'm using his commentary here um, from yeah. the NICNT series, New International Commentary on the New Testament. I didn't realize he's Assemblies of God. Yep. And uh, egalitarian. Yep. Uh, and believes in the continuation of gifts and healing and whatnot. But he 
disagrees with the Keswick position of the second work of grace. He disagrees with that Wesleyan view within his denomination, and he pushes back against some of the charismatic stuff. So I, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I had to... I, I used that commentary for a couple of... Pa- I, I, wrote, I wrote a paper about things in First Corinthians, and that was one of the resources I had for that. And then also in, in college, I had to... Re- yeah, Fee is such an interesting guy. There's there's a lot there that I'm, I'm not going to get into there, but yeah, I I really like his approach to the commentary so far. It's a solid I'm, commentary. For I sure. haven't finished chapter one yet, but yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> got a long way to go. It's a solid commentary, but then yeah, he is egalitarian and continuationist, so mm-hmm. which is fascinating for a myriad of issues within First Corinthians. So, indeed, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, let us take this moment, if you've made it to this point, dear listener, to remind you that uh, this is what our podcast is about. We are um, we want to talk about the difference between primary, secondary, and doubtful doctrines. And if you haven't seen the chart, you need to check that out. Go to dotheology.com, and there's a button that says the chart. Mm-hmm. Link will be in the description yeah. as well. And you can click on that. You can print it out. You can use it. Um, our goal is to be biblical and where we draw these lines and to be faithful and consistent. So that's what this podcast is about, and it's important that we continue this work even in the midst of a crazy year like 2020. Yeah. Amen. And and as we talk about these distinctions, you know, it's sometimes we get it, it can be easy to get lost in the weeds on some of the minutiae of some of this stuff, but when the goal is unity within the church, and when we understand that unity does not require unanimity— on all doctrinal positions, when you know we can have or uniformity or uniformity, yeah, we can have so much fellowship and joy with one another, and that's you know this is what it's all about. In that sermon that we talked about earlier from Alistair Begg, as he's quoting Martin Lloyd Jones, he sums everything up with just a, such a fantastic quote that really brings everything all together, and really what this podcast is really all about as well. He says that these issues, these five things that we've just talked about, election, predestination, baptism, church polity, millennial views, the charismatic stuff, all those things, he says they have become in the last 100 years the basis of many a foolish controversy that have robbed people of their joy and diminished their effectiveness. And that is, that is the sad reality in so many churches and so many denominational squabbles where they're fighting over these things. And, and we're not saying, again, we're not saying don't take a position. We're not saying yeah, you need to be wishy-washy on anything. No, take your stand, absolutely. And, and Alistair Begg himself in this lecture, he himself also says, yeah, take your stand. But know that there's room for latitude on some of this, and we can have good fellowship and joy with faithful brothers and sisters who differ on this and yet be on the same team proclaiming the gospel of Christ and and being faithful to God's Word in the midst of it all. And so that is, we, we don't want to diminish our joy. We don't want to lose our effectiveness. We want to be faithful to what God's Word has to say and have unity with God's people. Yeah. Which oftentimes is easier said than done. It is. <laughs> but it is the goal. It has to be our continual mission. Yes. If we lose sight of that mission, um, then we are going to turn to selfish ambition and pride, and we will ruin ourselves and our relationships, and then sometimes 
local outposts of God's church, which is tragic. Yeah. Absolutely tragic. All right. So thanks for engaging in this conversation with us today by listening, and hopefully we can hear from you. You can reach out to us in a variety of ways. Email us at show at dotheology.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Remember to review this podcast to give it if, if there's any place where it says hey how's this podcast and you can click stars and it's just that easy please just do it I, I always close those screens but don't do it for this podcast don't close the screen just hit the stars and then we'll be happy because you helped us please pretty please please what are you waiting pretty for please. <laughs> <laughs> all right enough for today thanks for listening until next God time. Bless you. Do theology. Do the theology. Do the theology. Do it. It's done. (laughs) It is. (laughs) And go Cardinals.